Hi, this is Dr. William Renner. I'm here with Dr. Alan Safdie, a world-renowned gastroenterologist, former president of the Ohio Society of Gastroenterology. Uh, Dr. Safdie, we're all concerned about the coronavirus. Uh, where did it come from? Well, Bill, I don't think you can pick up a newspaper or turn on a television or radio and hear anything uh, without hearing new things about the coronavirus. And the coronavirus is a new illness that we've never really seen before, this coronavirus. Um, and the symptoms cause respiratory tract illnesses and other things that we're going to get into. But the virus itself seems to have jumped from animals to humans and now seems to be spreading from human uh, to human contact. So initially animal to human, then human to human contact. And these type of coronaviruses are common throughout the world um, and some of them may even be like a cold virus that people are very familiar with but the first spread that we know of uh, from animals to humans appears to be in China itself and then unfortunately now person to person spread now some initial things said that it was spread from snakes I mean uh, uh, is that true and I guess does it make any difference you know, at this point, since we're most of the spread is going to probably be from person to person, um, I don't think it makes any tremendous difference at this time. It's hard to go back and say what animals had it initially, but I would be very careful, especially while traveling abroad, to be careful around sick individuals, but also animals itself. I mean, you shouldn't really be petting dogs overseas because of potential risk of rabies. But I would stay away from animals uh, while overseas, especially sick animals, and obviously sick individuals. All right. Um, so what are the symptoms? What are the most common symptoms that we see with the coronavirus? Yeah, you know, the most common symptoms are respiratory tract. Um, you know, coronaviruses in themselves cause respiratory tract illnesses that range from the common cold, which is a coronavirus, to potentially deadly illnesses. And if you remember back a few years, what's called the severe acute respiratory syndrome. Most people called it SARS. Um, and that was also identified in China first. And then the Middle East respiratory syndrome, MERS. So until SARS was identified, coronaviruses were, you know, the ones we saw the most uh, causing infections were the common cold ones. Uh, and then we had SARS and MERS. And this novel 2019 novel coronavirus. Um, we haven't really seen anything like that before. So there's lots of viruses that spread. Um, people know about Ebola, deadly infectious disease that originated in Africa, and influenza, which may be one of our most deadly viral illnesses. All right, now um, what can we do to prevent uh, getting coronavirus? Obviously visiting areas such as China uh, where the virus occurs, but what else? Are there any other simple things we could do? Well, one has to remember that there's an incubation period. So usually we don't spread diseases during that incubation period. So what's the incubation period? The period between exposure uh, to the new coronavirus um, and symptoms, the average may be 5.2 days, but that may range all over the board. Um, so people may actually spread the virus during that incubation period. So they don't have to be presenting overt symptomatology. 
Uh, so you have to be very careful during that period of time. Uh, there's a, lots of measures one can take to prevent um, spread of this virus, but mainly, you know, hand washing. If I had one measure that would probably be the most productive over just wearing a mask, and if you're around a lot of infected people, wearing a mask does no good if you're not washing your hands. If you're not washing your hands and you get these little droplets on your hands and you touch your eyes, you touch around your mouth, your nose, you may infect yourself. Uh, so one has to be very careful. Um, you know, there's lots of other guidelines that, you know, besides avoiding contact with people, avoiding these animals. Um, but wash hands with soap and water, at least for 20 seconds, and palm to palm, then between your fingers, get your nails into the opposite palm. And if soap and water are not available, alcohol-based hand sanitizers, if your hands aren't overtly dirty, maybe the next best measure but do not, they do not uh, come close to the efficacy for lots of diseases is soap, plain soap and water. All right, now, and patients that contract the coronavirus, uh, do you have an idea of what percent go on to a more severe illness requiring hospitalization? You know, that's one of the problems that we have right now is because some of the people may have relatively mild illnesses and not may not come to... Uh, into a clinical situation where we can actually diagnose them. So I think we're underestimating the amount of people that actually have this new novel coronavirus. Uh, remember, it's not the only coronavirus out there, but this is a new novel coronavirus. And it may be no worse than the common cold in some people, although it can also be fatal. Uh, one of the earlier studies, and it was a major Chinese study, half of the 425 cases uh, were patients over the age of 60, the ones that presented to the hospital. Um, none of those were under the age of 15. And those are the people at most risk for developing the most far-reaching symptoms, fever, cough, difficulty breathing, respiratory distress, and will seek, you know, hospital care. Um, unfortunately, we have no vaccine for the coronavirus. There's some preliminary evidence that some of the antiviral illnesses we use for influenza may have some efficacy, but it's way too early to tell if those are going to work. But things like Tamiflu that you're familiar with, Bill, may have some efficacy in this, but it's way, way too early. And we're still a ways away from developing a vaccine for this. So wash your hands, especially after eating, after going to the bathroom, especially before you're going to touch your face. You know, avoid anybody who has flu-like symptomatology uh, are really some of our best strategies at this point. So uh, the virus it sounds like it's spread predominantly through uh, coughing and sneezing. Uh, are there any other types of spread? Yeah, I mean, being a gastroenterologist, always interested in what comes out in your poop. Um, you know, gastrointest gastrointestinal symptoms have not really been considered the primary clinical features of this new novel coronavirus. Um, however, the coronavirus RNA was detected in patients' stools uh, samples on day seven after illness even. So it could be spread by fecal oral contamination. So one has to be, and there may be gastrointestinal symptoms. Um, they may have a dry cough, no shortness of breath, but they must, may also have loose stools, abdominal discomfort. So we often, because of the respiratory distress, ignore some of the gastrointestinal tract symptoms uh, that may be going on in these individuals. So it's something to be aware of, and it doesn't have to be just spread by respiratory symptomatology. Um, 
you know, so the things that come to clinical attention are often the dyspnea or the shortness of breath that they have, the cold-like symptoms. But again, remember that this it's a spectrum illness. It can have a variety of different presentations, just as the cold. You and I might get the cold, but we may have somewhat different symptoms. Um, I may be predominantly runny nose. You may end up with more of a cough. And some people will end up with some gastrointestinal symptomatology. Now, the uh, oral fecal mode, usually that's the uh, most prevalent in uh, nurseries and daycares. Uh, has the uh, virus, does it seem to strike young people? So far, not as much as, you know, the older people. Um, you know, unfortunately, we're getting into that range ourselves, Bill. Um, but we're at greater risk. That's why even when we get the influenza vaccine, we don't develop antibodies as well as other people. So our influenza vaccine, if we get the high-dose influenza vaccine, will have three to four times the antigens, three to four times the potency of the typical flu vaccine. Because as you get older, you're not developing as much antibodies. So really the ones that are at greater risk are people that have underlying illnesses. Um, and just be careful. I mean, there's really common sense things we can do to avoid this. and. I think we're underestimating the prevalence of this, especially since some people may not have symptoms any worse than the common cold. But, you know, just to close, you know, remember that right now we have not had a tremendous amount of deaths in the United States. Really, we're dealing with illness, not with deaths at this time. But the CDC has estimated that influenza resulted in between 9 million and 45 million illnesses. Um, you know, since 2010, 140,000 to 100 or 810,000 hospitalizations, and between 12,000 a year to 61,000 a year deaths. So that is a huge, huge problem that we don't talk about enough. We're talking about this novel coronavirus because it's going to spread. It has been spreading. We have to be careful, but remember to put it in perspective of even the amount of influenza deaths we're experiencing year in, year out. All right. Uh, thank you, Alan. That was really helpful and really makes me think uh, and remind everyone, please make sure uh, that you get your flu shots and just take these precautions that uh, Dr. Safdie has given us. Thank you so much for your input.